you know, so eventually someone decided to rat on me <laughs> and uh, my, the, the cops came to my house, put me in handcuffs and, you know, took everything, $36,000 cash, you know, 20 pounds of, of flour, a couple pounds of concentrates, a thousand cartridges, um, you know, all this stuff. And uh, so we're talking major felonies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, manufacturing, delivering, um, PG, controlled substance, um, possession of over five pounds or five to 20 pounds. Um, so they just, you know, hit me with everything. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to Gramps Place where my guests and I discuss all things of public interest and anything else that might need a little changing in the good old USA. From ending the drug war and freeing those wrongfully imprisoned for crimes that have no victim, to making government more like what our forefathers intended of we the people again. I talk with doctors, scientists, politicians, and more, so you can make your own decisions on important issues in the USA. My guest tonight is Stanton Brazier. Stanton is a graduate of UNT with a BA in journalism and a postgraduate degree in administration from TWU. He has been a successful entrepreneur owning media ventures in Texas and cannabis ventures in both California and Oklahoma. Currently, he works in the streaming industry while preparing for a vertically integrated cannabis business takeoff in Oklahoma sometime in 2022. Stanton is also a felon in Texas who spent over a decade selling on the underground market. He was arrested in June of 2019 for manufacture and delivery of a controlled substance, as well as possession between 5 to 20 pounds of cannabis. He is currently serving six years deferred adjudication in Denton County, Texas, and has become a part of a local advocacy group called Decriminalize Denton, which works towards that very goal, and hopefully to be a part of the movement that legalizes it federally and in Texas. I've been wanting to talk with Stanton for a while now. His story with his conviction in a state with a legal medical program is a unique one that forces a serious question of our lawmakers. Let's meet Stanton and hear his story. Hello, Stanton, and welcome to Gramps Place. Thanks for having me. Uh, I've really been looking forward to having you on the show because I, I've heard your story uh, in two or three different publications around the Metroplex, and, and it's an intriguing one because of the, the I don't know, uh, the snafu of a, of a catch-22 that you're, you find yourself in currently. Please tell our audience a little bit about yourself, who you are, uh, and your background and, and let us know what your story is. So I always like to start off by telling people that, uh, you know, I have a bachelor's degree in journalism from UNT and a master's degree in administration from TWU. Um, I have owned, uh, businesses in Texas, Oklahoma, and California, uh, family man. I have three kids, uh, don't own a gun. <laughs> Not that I'm against them, <clears throat> just don't own one, never have. Um, and 
you know, I'm also a felon. So uh, I, I got in trouble in Denton, Texas for selling cannabis products. Uh, prior to that, though, I had a dispensary in San Diego and, you know, I sold cannabis product, products there too. And in San Diego, you know, I would have conversations with the police even, and they knew exactly what I was doing and they would say, oh, you know, that's a good business, you know? Yeah. Um, but my wife and I split up and she brought the kids back to Texas and I wanted to be around my kids. So I closed up shop, came back here had about $80,000 uh, in product that I couldn't just throw away. Sure. So I brought, brought it back here and uh, was selling on the, uh, what, what's now referred to, you know, as the legacy market um, mm-hmm. or the underground market. I, I don't like using black market because of the, the connotations that surround it. So, you know, I was back here selling on the legacy market, which I had done prior to. I'd put myself through college selling on, on the underground market. So, you know, it's not something I was opposed to. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, when I was I was back here going through divorce is a really hard thing. And uh, I it's not that I didn't want to put the effort into getting a serious job. I did. You know, I, I looked at some opportunities, but I'd made so much money in cannabis that I wasn't just going to take any job. and. Uh, at the same time, I got a little bit lax on my policies because I, you know, didn't have kids around all the time. And, um, you know, so eventually someone decided to ride on me <laughs> and uh, my the, the cops came to my house, put me in handcuffs and, you know, took everything. Thirty six thousand dollars cash, you know, 20 pounds of, of flour, a couple pounds of concentrates, a thousand cartridges, um, you know, all this stuff. And uh, so we're talking major felonies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, manufacturing, delivering, um, PG, controlled substance, um, possession of over five pounds or five to 20 pounds. Um, so they just, you know, hit me with everything. And, uh, you know, that wasn't enough to really shake me out of it. So a little over a year later, I got raided and arrested again for the second time. Um, and that second time was when I kind of said, okay. I need to put this life behind me and, uh, you know, follow something that's, you know, a little more tangible, a little safer, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, which really sucks because, uh, you know, I also like to tell people the kind of clientele I had. Um, I had lawyers, medical professionals, Mm -hmm. educators, mechanics, construction workers, waiters, cooks, um, entrepreneurs, engineers. I mean, just all kinds of walks of life. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, I tell, tell the story all the time about my son and, uh, and, and people ask me, you know, that when I tell that story, I talk about how I told him that I had smoked for, for 26 plus years. You know, I wasn't smoking at the time that, that he came to me. And, um, the reason I wasn't was because I had gotten back together with my high school sweetheart um, probably five, six years before he passed away. And, um, she had worked her entire life for district attorney's office. Mm-hmm. And so she put all this time and effort in toward a retirement. And I worked in, in as a sheetrocker in the construction industry. You know, I had no retirement looking at me besides social security. If Lord willing, there's something left when I get to that age. Right. So I just thought about it one day and I said, you know what? it would not look good on her 
if I were to get busted coming home with a bag of weed in the truck, you know, and I didn't want to screw her out of her lifelong work toward retirement, you know, so I gave it up. But we had conversations for the longest time. And, and I told her, I said, I guarantee you there's somebody in that office probably that smokes marijuana in the district attorney's office where you work. I said, there's people within the police department in the city that, that smoke marijuana. I said, there's people in the sheriff's department. I guarantee you, mm-hmm. you know, because like you say, myself, came be in that world for 26 plus years. And not have met several of them. I mean, I was a first responder years ago, and uh, that's what I thought I wanted to do until I did it for a year and decided it wasn't for me, you know. Uh, But I smoked plenty of pot with plenty of cops, firemen, doctors, lawyers, you name it, you know. So I can 100% testify to what you're saying there. Yeah, I mean, I know I even had a a cop who was on desk duty, and he was just writing it out until he got his uh, pension. And he had, uh, I don't know if he beat cancer or he was still fighting cancer of some kind, but uh, uh, one of my customers was supplying him through me, um, you know, and I said, uh, I said, I'll, I'll give him, normally I give people that have medical issues a discount or even for free, just depending on the situation. Um, I said, tell him I'll give him a discount, but he has to promise me that after he retires, he joins LEAP. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So I put a little speculation on his, but uh or not speculation, a uh, stipulation. <laughs> there sure. we go. Uh, a <laughs> little stipulation on his. Um, but uh but yeah, I mean th- those are the type of people I dealt with. I didn't really have to deal with a lot of uh you know, what, what people imagine, you know, gangsters and you know guns and violence and all that stuff I, I i actually even sourced my stuff ethically it all came from growers i knew personally in colorado and california so yeah you know the when you go to all these different conventions and whatnot which i'm sure you've been to several mm-hmm. having been in the legal market uh especially but when you go to all these places and you meet the people who are in this industry it's average ordinary people you know, it, it's it's your everyday mom and pop shops and and just like any other industry, you know, there's not a bunch of hippies and freaks that just want to get high either. You know, there's a medical factor to it that people need to really, really understand. So yeah. um, you say you got popped twice. Yeah. Did you did, did that second time happen prior to you going to court and facing the first charges or? Yes. Okay. Okay. It sounds Thank like God. a familiar yeah. story, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, I was lucky in that respect. Um, I got the, uh, most reasonable judge and the most reasonable prosecutor in Denton County. And they combined, um, both of my cases into one case and, uh, a guilty plea got me six years deferred adjudication. Wow. Um, but I was looking at five to 99 prison time. Yeah, I, I, well, yeah, I knew what you were looking at with that. That was those kind of felonies, absolutely. So you ended up with six years deferred. Yeah. Okay. I'm about a half a year down. <laughs> Five and a half well, years ago. It'll be over before you know it. That's what you just got to keep telling yourself. <laughs> yeah, one or two presidents away from being able to smoke again. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so six years deferred uh, with a guilty plea. So that means that, of course, you got to follow all the rules that go along with mm-hmm. probation, right? Because that's basically what you what you have with deferred adjudication. You you've got to serve six months probation, right? Uh, six years, but yeah. Or six years, yeah. 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 With that, all that mess. So, what's put you in this unique catch twenty two that you're in now? What did you do after you got this this deferred uh, adjudication? Well, so when you get put on probation, the the judge writes out a court order that your probation officer has to follow and that you have to follow. And sure. the court order said that I have to avoid uh, THC, um, even CBD. Delta eight, I have to stay away from all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also says I have to take my medications as prescribed. Um, okay. I'm, I'm on Adderall and Clonopin and Cymbalta and all the crazy drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the funny thing is, is Texas recognizes medical cannabis um, as a viable treatment for certain things. Uh, so I decided to kind of have a little fun with this. And I uh, jumped on to see uh, everything that's prescribed or everything that they use, uh, they prescribe THC for. And uh, come to find out, I have neuralgia paresthetica, uh, which is a form of uh, peripheral neuropathy. Basically, it's a damaged nerve in my back that causes numbness and spasticity and and burning in my my top thigh. And I went out to my PCP, got her to diagnose it. Uh, took that to a cannabis doctor in Texas and got him to prescribe uh, 10 milligrams twice a day. And uh, so now I'm sitting here, you know, I asked my probation officer, he asked the supervisor, I asked the court administrator, I asked my attorney, and no one can give me a solid answer because there's no case law and there's no precedent, there's no mandate set for whether or not I can use the medicine or not. So you know, now Texas has to answer this question, you know, are we going to medically discriminate against people on probation or are we going to allow all people access to uh, what we as a state define as medicine? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a rudimentary, simple question. Yeah. And you can't have it both ways. You know, I say the same damn thing when when you talk about uh, all the patents that the U.S. government holds. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've personally found six or seven. Now, most of them have expired since their original filing and, and, and everything, but it don't matter. It's still documented proof that they're over here on one hand saying it's medicine, and then they got the CSA saying, oh, no, that's Schedule 1, no medicinal value whatsoever. You know, and and it's in my opinion, it's all coming to a head. They 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 cannot turn a blind eye to it much longer. I mean, even the DEA now is saying we've got to do this research. We've got to recognize. You know, I was just reading something. In fact, earlier today, to that to that effect. You know, that Mm -hmm. says something. You know, so. So you're kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't at the moment, you know? Yeah, well, they're not going to 
actually violate my probation and no. arrest, um, for not taking the THC, but it is definitely proof of, you know, the, the glaring omission that we have in our uh, legislative process. Because, you know, I, I don't blame the judge. I don't blame my probation officer. I don't blame anyone for just trying to follow, you know, precedents and, and you know, what rules are expected. But uh, I blame the, the lawmakers. And uh, this is really something they need to fix. And, and, and it really boils down to two things. The lawmakers are either going to say, we're fine with medical discrimination or we're not. Mm-hmm. And those yeah. are the only two messages that I think can be sent by amending or not amending this, you know, the, the teacup legislation. You can't have it both ways. Period. Yeah. So you're also, uh, you're also a, a part of, or you, I don't know what, what position you hold, but you're part of decriminalized Denton, right? Yeah. I've, I've been kind of, uh, since Tristan has actually moved out of uh, Texas, um, I've kind of unofficially become the spokesperson <laughs> for decriminalized Denton. Um, I've, you know, spoken at city council a couple times about it. Um, pretty much all the media that comes our way, uh, I get, they get sent to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, no, no complaints with me. I, I I enjoy it. You know, I don't have a problem talking to people and especially about something I'm passionate about. So sure. Uh, sure. But uh, yeah, at, at city council, um, you know, I knew they'd already read the ordinance and I knew that they had already heard the statistics and stuff that we had to offer. So this second time I spoke, um, I told a story about a customer of mine that I had named Peggy and uh, she was in her sixties. She was a uh, cashier at a truck stop didn't have a lot of money um and she came over to my house one day and she you know burst into tears as soon as she got there uh she had just been diagnosed with an inoperable brain tumor mm. and she was given a timeline uh, that wasn't going to be very long yeah and uh i provided you know free cannabis and cannabis products to her uh, for the rest of her life literally mm-hmm. and uh you know, what really got me thinking a lot of times, and it wasn't just her, you know, I, I had people with epilepsy, people with other kinds of cancer, chronic pain, uh, mm-hmm. you know, what have you that would come see me. And I always thought though, like specifically about Peggy, this lady who's on the last few months of her life, what happens when she leaves my house and goes to her house? What happens if she gets pulled over? Mm-hmm. Cop smells weed. Are they going to pull her out of the car and go through her purse and, have a dog walk around her car and then search it, put her in handcuffs, take her to the jail, have her squat and cough, have her spend the night uh, waiting for a magistrate to come see her in the morning, um, charge her, you know, a fee that she can't afford to pay to get out. You know, we're going to make a suffering mid sixties lady go through all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and I spoke with Frank Dixon, uh, chief, chief Dixon, um, I absolutely respect the guy. He's, he's, uh, you know, I'm not a huge proponent of law enforcement and uh, I uh, really do respect Frank and uh, his beliefs. And he has really made an effort to unofficially set policy that keeps cannabis arrest down. So I, I can respect that. But what I told city council um, is that Chief Dixon will not always be the chief of police for Denton. Yeah. And we could get a Tracy Murphy type in there 
um, who is who's a hard ass who doesn't yeah. doesn't care about the people. They care about this puritanical set of rules that they've been told to follow their whole life, and that's why he wants to maintain. But you know, re- reforming these laws, it you know protects people like Peggy. Mm-hmm. Um, it protects those college students who decide that they want to smoke a little bit of weed, but they don't want to lose their Pell grants, you know. Um, I mean, there's just so much, you know. With with my arrests, it's it's hard for me to get housing. I, I live in basically a slum. I mean, it's it's an alright house, but we get overcharged for it because no one else would take us, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, n- nothing gets fixed unless I fix it, <laughs> you know. So that's all, all because of a harmless plant that I was giving to people who you know let's be real probably 80 percent of them at least were self-medicating with it pardon this short break for a word from our sponsors hey y'all are you enjoying the guests and subjects gramps is bringing you each week did you know gramps does this all on his own no production team and no producers just gramps Please consider making a monthly contribution to help Gramps continue to do what he does in an effort to educate, agitate, and motivate millions to get involved. It is as easy as clicking on the link in the show description that says, support this podcast. It can be as little as 99 cents per month. As always, Gramps thanks you for listening and for your support. Welcome back to Gramps Place, the podcast where Gramps and his guests talk about all things of public interest. You know, I got asked by by a person who was running for governor a few years back. Uh, you know, I told him the story of my son, and, and he, he was a supporter of the whole cannabis movement, legalization movement, both uh, adult use as well as the medical. And um, he asked me, you know, did I hold the doctors accountable for my son's death? You know, because of what the medications did to him. And I said, no. I hold the sons of bitches who made the laws making a simple plant illegal in the first place, the ones who've maintained it up until now and the ones who continue to maintain it from now and beyond. That's who I blame for my son's death. Yeah. Yeah. That's those are the people that I hold accountable. Yeah. And if uh and it's weird to kind of think of it like this, but uh had your son moved to Colorado or California or um Oregon, Washington, mm-hmm. wherever at the time allowed it, uh he would have been a refugee, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Refugee in his own country. That's that's to me that blows my mind that we have medical refugees um because of a war on drugs. Mm-hmm. I know many of them. Yeah. Yeah. Alexis Portel, I've been following her story for a long time. Mm-hmm. I'm sure she knows yeah. her. That's one of the first stories I really dove into. Uh after after my son passed away, the first thing I did was I came home here and I sat down and and I searched uh, marijuana slash epilepsy, hit enter. First thing I found was a study completely in the United States 
treated five epileptic children uh, with extracts of cannabis in 1947 that had a better than 50% success rate. Oh, wow. And, and the first thought was they knew in 47. Mm-hmm. You know, and then the second thought was, geez, the difference between technology and extracts from 47 to 2016, my God, what in the hell have we been doing for the last 80 years? Yeah. You know? And it was recognized as medicine all over the place before Anslinger. Oh, yeah. Control. Oh, yeah. And uh, I found I found records of it used as medicine as far back as 2000 B.C. Yeah. In ancient Asian scripts. It's it's insane. That that greed and that is the reason why it was made illegal was all about money and profit. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason it stayed that way. You know, it, a lot of people blame the pharmaceutical industry for making it illegal. They weren't the ones responsible for making it illegal. They figured out that they needed to keep it illegal once they figured out how much money they could make on all the crap they could create. Yeah. yeah. You know, but at the time they were making money on cannabis initially, you know. Yeah. What's the old saying? There's no money in a cure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, it's a, that's a wild story to, 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 to hear that, you know, the first time I heard it, that, you know, your story about being in the catch 22 with getting the, the medical card. And I knew, you know, that you got it just to, to prove a point, mm-hmm. but we need more people to do the same thing because yeah. there are enough conditions in the state of Texas now that I bet you we could get a whole load of people on probation to also have a medical prescription Mm-hmm. For, for medical cannabis in Texas, and then what are they going to do? Yeah, well, and that's that's the thing is like you know, I've got a spastic leg that I've lived with for years, no big deal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but there are people on probation with PTSD and cancer, and uh, that may be the best thing to treat their symptoms. And uh, we're not legislators are not doctors. I'm not a doctor. You're not a doctor. No one's no one should be able to tell these people how to treat them, their center, their symptoms and their treat their treatments, you know, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of funny to think of in the first place. But, you know, if you're getting chemotherapy and radiation, you need the cannabis to treat it. You know, so, uh, so the whole, the whole thing is a, is a giant catch 22, but to think about people on probation that legitimately need it for their quality of life, worse than me, you know, that's kind of, prove this point and there should be an article in the observer about it um i think maybe this week it might be coming out on thursday so okay cool i'll keep my eyes out for that so what all what all are you doing with decriminalized denton does it look like that they're gonna pass this this ordinance or or how is it i mean what is it promising or is it well we had a uh, five votes in favor of a work session on it um, five out of six, and even that sixth vote wasn't totally against taking some measures. Uh, they're just the least on board with it. But uh, yeah, that's, that's Paul uh, Meltzer, and he's a super cool guy. I, you know, 
uh, supported his campaign. Um, he's just very pragmatic and yeah. between the conversation with him and, and Chief Dixon, um, he's not totally convinced that full-on decriminalization is the way to go. Um, but he's still even open to talk about it and make some, make some positive steps, even if we don't get what we want. I think that there's a really good solid chance. I think we have uh, three strong allies on the court, on the, uh, the council and uh, another couple that are on the fence that we could probably, you know, hit them with the right logic and uh, get them in favor of it as well. Cool. I love seeing the local efforts because uh, it just, I mean, to me, that's going to put more pressure on the state level. You know, the more and more of the municipalities that say, look, we ain't messing with it anymore. Yeah. You know, we might as well take it off the books because we're not going to fool with it anyway. You know, of course, the, the problem is, is you got all these rural hacks that that's their bread and butter, you know. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to be the hardest ones. That's why it's crazy to see some sheriffs. uh they're, you know, the way they are, because you'd think municipality would have much more shit to worry about than somebody uh, using a little plant matter, Smart. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, one of the things that Dixon said why he's against fully decriminalizing it is because he can use that in leverage in violent crime cases. Sure. And I, you know, I get where he's coming from. It's, it's not like a, an irrational point to make but at the same time uh you know we give we allow people to consume and people to even sell it um with with more safety than chances are there's going to be less violence from a underground market standpoint mm-hmm. um, so that that would just be a proactive way of him decreasing violence around the plant uh however you know i sold him didn't for damn near 20 years, uh, Denton, Louisville, Denton County. And, uh, you know, I've, I've seen one, one case of actual violence surrounding, uh, I'm not a cop. Sure. They see more cases, but it's just not a huge part of the culture. And the only reason that it's any part of the culture is because of the illegality, illegality as it stands. So. Absolutely. And, and I I think any, I would be willing to bet that the vast majority of those cases that they see where they say they see violence, there's something else involved besides cannabis. Oh yeah. There's some alcohol or, or some other illegal intoxicant involved in there as well. Uh, Cause you know, I'm 54 and I've been around it since shit. First time I smoked marijuana i was five years old with my older brother you know i mean it was a one-time deal you know a couple puffs but uh, i've been around it my whole life you know and i have never seen anybody just smoke a dude and go off mm-hmm. never yeah i've seen them have a six-pack of beer or a 12-pack of beer and then smoke one and go off you know well, you know well and the violence even that I was, and I, and I totally agree with what you're saying, but even the, the violence I was referring to was the uh, violence that surrounds the underground market, you know, yeah, um, yeah, ro- robberies and things of that nature, people wanting to collect on money that they have owed to them and they decide to go a violent approach. Um, 
but you know liquor stores get robbed and we've got tons of liquor stores in Denton you know um, it doesn't mean that you can't reduce the violence I'm sure we'd have a lot more violence if we were still prohibiting alcohol you know oh yeah and we don't so <laughs> you know it's it's a hard a hard uh piece of jerky to bite off and chew you know uh to make to make that claim you know well that's one thing i never understood you know we we ended alcohol prohibition because it flat ass didn't work yeah and then they turned around and jumped right in head over heels into marijuana prohibition yeah it, it just it hurts my head to think about it sometimes <laughs> so what else is decriminalized Denton working on just you're just working on the city council and the, the local police right yeah yeah for now that's that's our first step um then we'll start seeing what we can do to expand if we can make this as like a, a pilot program here in Denton then maybe you know we can reach out and hit you know Louisville and Argyle and Corinth and Crum and Sanger and Aubrey Pilot Point, you know, just all these, you know, little smaller towns. And then we might, you know, keep going further and further until we hit Dallas, who has a a pretty legitimate policy on cannabis enforcement. Um, but yeah, hopefully that'll be enough to, you know, get some attention of, of uh, statewide legislators, you know. Yeah. You know, that's one thing I keep telling everybody. Um, and that was my big, big speech this this past uh, March down there in Fort Worth when DFW Marijuana March. Uh, is I don't care how many times I call and write my, my representatives. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure they get tired of hearing from me because I'll do it 10 times a week. I don't give a shit, you know, especially in session, you know. Yeah. But but in reality, my main message this year was was in reality, when the session ends is when our work begins, because now we got to try to find who who maybe we want to run against and get out somebody who's been against us. You know, yeah. there's there's that aspect. Then there's the, the aspect of once we get past the elections of next year, we got to look at who did get elected. Are they new? What's their position? Where can we go from here? You know, the conversation, you've got to, you can't ever stop. A lot of people think it's a, it's a six months while the session, you know, the, the legislature's in session down there in Texas, in Austin, but that's not it. It's a constant process. You yeah. know, we, if we ever stop having the conversation, the noise gets quiet, right? Mm-hmm. The longer we keep, keep having the conversations, the louder the noise gets, the, the, Sooner or later, they can no longer turn a blind eye to it. You know, uh, my rep, he was, uh, when I first, the first time I actually went to Austin was in the 2019 session. And uh, I just wasn't ready for it in 2017 yet. I hadn't been, gotten enough research and read enough and learned enough about the whole ball of wax, so to speak, you know. But uh, I went down and I met him on opening day. And I kind of weaseled my way into a position. I had been communicating with somebody in his office for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So they were expecting me, you know, and I weaseled my way into a conversation with that person, his, which basically was his legislative director. And then uh, he, you know, he was 
in his office meeting with someone and I was right there at the doorway when they came, he walked this person out. So I just kind of stood up and I was right in his freaking face, you know? So he had, to, he had to look at me and say, Oh, hi, nice to meet you. So then his legislative director jumps up and introduces me and kind of told him a brief bit about who I was and why I was there. And we had a 10 minute conversation that day. And, and he made one statement that stuck with me, but it's what I just kept hammering on. And he's voted yes on every bill that's been in the house since. And that his statement was, well, you know, we got to be careful because, you know, we don't, we don't want to make it where everybody's doing it. And I said, Mr. Stuckey, what you don't understand, anybody who will already is. Mm-hmm. You're not stopping anything. Yeah. You're not making any money off of it either. It's the same argument that they would use for guns, you know. Exactly. You're, you're not going to stop them. So why why write this one little law over here and this little law over here? Yeah, you're not going to stop them. There's too many of them out there. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's the same principle. And when he just looked at me and he was, that's a valid point. I said, let's call them like I see them. Anybody who wants to already is. Yeah. And a whole lot of the younger crowd that's only doing it because it's illegal and it's something cool to do won't do it anymore either. Because it won't be cool. Teen use has gone down in, in Colorado and uh, several other states where they've studied it. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, when I was a kid, I didn't do it because it was cool or it was not cool. I did it because it was fun, <laughs> you know. So that's yeah, that, that would be my mentality. Um, so I don't, I don't quite get the whole doing it because it's it's cool and illegal. But hey, at least we can protect the kids that do want to do it, you know. Yeah. Um, well, that's the other aspect of having a fully legal market too. Is you've got products that are tested and labeled and and you know, you know whether it's got pesticides and no pesticides and that, the whole ball of wax is just better for everybody when yeah. it's a legal market. Yeah. Do you want your, your kid to go to a, a trailer park and meet Joe Bob, who's got the uh, 45 sitting on his table, you know, and he's, uh, you know, selling you all types of stuff that he's gotten from maybe from even violent sources. You know, you never know, you know, he could be getting stuff in from the cartel. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you want to put your kid in that situation or would you rather your kid go to a doctor and get a medical prescription and go to a place where everything's tested and grown in state with no violence? And I mean, it's. It ought to be a hands down <laughs> cut and dry. So, yeah. you know, so uh, I guess that's pretty much is your story in a nutshell. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I plan to, uh, you know, I can't. uh give actual details out because I'm kind of bound by a, a, an NDA type thing. But, uh, you know, I'm working with a, a group in, of investors um, from various parts of the country. Uh, and um, we're, we're setting up some situations in Oklahoma. Uh, and hopefully, you know, there'll be some movement on the national level. And, uh, maybe Texas will eventually legalize and there'll be some state reciprocity and, uh, and whatnot, but hopefully we will be positioned to get product out here in Texas um, as soon as that's a possibility. Uh, but that's most, that's about all I can say about it because we haven't made any official announcements yet, but sure. uh, we're doing some cool stuff up there and 
uh, I live right, you know, on the border essentially. Um, so, you know, hopefully I can bring some influence back with me from Oklahoma and you know, help make some stuff out, happen out here. But, you know, I'm not, we're not stopping at just Denton. I'm not stopping at just Denton. Um, if you ever want me to go to Austin with you, just let me know. Okay. I'd be happy to sit down and tell my story to some legislators because so many of these old, old white men have this idea of what a, a weed dealer is like in their head, you know, and uh, I can pretty much crush those stereotypes. Yeah. I mean, you know, I do like a good Cheech and Chong movie, but, you know. <laughs> well, who doesn't? I mean, come on. I mean, come on. Even my mom thought that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So where can uh, people find Decriminalize Denton? We're on Facebook. I'm pretty sure it's just uh, backslash Decriminalize Denton, but if they search, if they search it, um, you know, we're the only group called that and we'll come right up. Um, so that's that's the best way to get in contact with us. Uh, my public profile is always on there. I, I'll pretty much always answer emails. That's a Stanton, S-T-A-N-T-O-N, Brazier, B-R-A-S-H-E-R. Uh, so I'm always fine with uh, talking to people there, see if, if people want to get involved, uh, have any advice, want to donate some money, you know, whatever. Um, we're okay. cool with all of that. Cool deal. Well, I'll definitely put all that on the, in the show notes as well. So uh, people will be able to find you and maybe people around Denton. Uh, I know I've got some listeners around Denton, so maybe that'll spark up a little more activity for us there in the city of Denton. Uh, yeah. I want to thank you again, Stanton, for coming on and telling your story. It's definitely a, uh, an intriguing one uh, that will open some eyes, I'm sure. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'd love to get that word out on that. So uh, maybe we can see some change, even even the smallest bits of change. Hopefully we'll see some, you know. Yeah, absolutely. We just got to keep pushing, man. We just got to keep pushing. Grant plays. Where Gramps and his guests discuss all things of public interest and anything else that might need a little changing here in the good old USA. From ending the drug war and freeing those wrongfully imprisoned for crimes that have no victim, to making government more like what our forefathers intended of we the people again. Gramps talks with doctors, scientists, politicians, and more, so you can make your own decisions on important issues in the USA. Be sure to subscribe where you get your podcasts or visit GrampsPlace.net today. And as always, thank you for listening to Gramps Place.